You are listening to Understanding Islam on the Voice of Islam. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Kama arsalna feekum rasoolan minkum yatlu alaykum ayatina يَتْلُو عَلَيْكُمْ آيَاتِنَا وَيُزَكِّيكُمْ وَيُعَلِّمُكُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ وَيُعَلِّمُكُمْ مَا لَمْ تَكُونُوا تَعْلَمُونَ I seek refuge with Allah from Satan the accursed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. We have sent to you a messenger from among yourselves who recites our signs to you and purifies you and teaches you the book and the wisdom and teaches you that which you knew not. Chapter 2, verse 152 Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah May peace be with you and the mercy and blessings of Allah. Welcome to Understanding Islam, Series 7. In this series, we will be covering the signs and help of Allah for the promised Messiah. And we will take this from his own words, which is found in the book Malfuzat. And today in this program, we're going to be covering the signs of the latter days. My name is Tahir Selby, and I'm joined today by Ikan Ahmed Khan and Anan Ashad. So welcome to you both. As I said, we're going to be talking today about the signs of the latter days. This is very important that if we believe that the promised Messiah, may peace be upon him, has come, then it means we're in the latter days because it's been prophesied from the very beginning that in the latter days there will be this battle between the Messiah and Gog and Magog or Dajjal, the battle between good and evil. So therefore, if the Messiah has come, then there should be the signs showing that we are in the latter days. So how? How do we know that we are in the latter days? So this is what we're going to hopefully cover today to prove that we are, in fact, in the latter days. Today we will again, we'll take a passage from the book Malfazat, the Discourses of the Promised Messiah, and see what the Promised Messiah has mentioned about these signs. So, Hanan, can I ask you to read a passage, please? The appearance of Gog and Magog, the advent of Dajjal, Antichrist. And the dominance of the cross are the signs of that age too. People have created discordance because of their misunderstanding and believe that all these are distinct from each other, while they believe with regard to each one of them that they would prevail over the entire globe. If Gog and Magog would prevail, then where would the jar prevail? And where would the cross dominate? 
there is no other explanation except that they all are various individuals of one and the same people. There would be no confusion left if they were considered to be one and the same. Allah says about them, وَتَرَكْنَا بَعْزَهُمْ يَوْمَ إِزِيُّهُ فِي الْبَعْزِ وَنُفِخَ فِي السُّورِ فَجَمْنَهُمْ جَمْعًا The translation of this verse is that And on that day we shall leave some of them to surge against others and the trumpet will be blown. Then shall we gather them all together. Surah Al-Kaf chapter 18 verse 100 this indicates that a great degree of disagreement would develop. All religions would emerge as combinants. Tarakna, which means we shall leave, indicates that it would be time of freedom and that freedom would reach its zenith. Allah would then decide to gather them through the, his appointee. Note that first he said, Jama'nahum, we shall gather them. And for the beginning of the world, he said, Who created you from a single soul, and of its kind created its mate, and from them twain spread many men and women. Chapter 4 verses 2, Surah Al-Nisa the words Basa, spread, and Jam'a, gather, are perfectly opposed, so the circle will be completed and the same age will return. In the beginning, it was the unity of individual, and now in the end, it will be the unity of the whole species. Next, he says, وَعَرَزْنَا جَهَنَّمَا يَوْمَ عَرْزَ and on that day, we shall present hell face to face to the disbelievers. Surah Al-Qaf, chapter 18, verses 101. It was described as a sign for the promised Messiah that hell would be presented to the disbelievers on that day. It is not talking about the day of judgment. It makes no sense to present hell on that day. The disbelievers would in fact be interned into hell that day. Hell implies the plague. Accordingly, many a time the plague has been called hell in my revelations. A time will come upon hell when no one will be left in it. This is also one such revelation. God Almighty has mentioned two groups. The first are the auspicious who accepted the Messiah. The second, are the wretched who would reject the Messiah. For them, he said, we would send the plague as hell for them. The meaning of Nufiha Fisur, the trumpet will be blown, Surah Al-Kaf chapter 18 verse 100, is that a voice is sounded in those who come from God Almighty, and then this voice reaches all around the world through them. And then such an attraction is created in them that despite differences of ideas, natures and circumstances, people start to gather around his voice. Eventually the time does come when there is only one flock and only one shepherd. God Almighty has himself provided the means for gathering all auspicious souls for upon one religion. 
the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was told, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ إِنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِلَيْكُمْ جَمِيعًا Say, O mankind, truly I am a messenger to you all from Allah. Surah Al-Raf, chapter 7, verse 159. Jami'a to all. And, Jama'nahum Jami'a, gather them all, have a special correlation, and it seems that the initial work for these gatherings was put in motion in the time of the Holy Prophet, may peace of Allah be upon him, although the preparation of the means for it reached its perfection in this age. All right, thank you very much, Hanan. That was very nicely spoken. Now, here, the promised Messiah, Hazrat Meza Ghulam Ahmad, may peace be upon him, has said, The appearance of Gog and Magog, and the advent of the Dajjal, the Antichrist, and the dominance of the cross, are the signs of that age too. He then further said that, Believe that all these are distinct from each other, while they believe with regard to each one of them, that they would prevail over the entire globe. And again he has said that if Gog and Magog would prevail, then where would the Dajjal prevail? And where would the cross dominate? So then the Promissiah continues to say that there is no other explanation except that they all are various individuals of one and the same people. So this is an interesting point that the Pomsar has made out, and he's making it clear that these things which has been mentioned here, that Gog and Magog, the Jal and dominance of the cross, is all in fact at the same time, which we call the latter times. Now, again, if we look into the Holy Quran, in the Holy Quran, in chapter 55, verse 32, it states that soon shall we attend to you, O ye two big groups. The Holy Quran also mentions about Yajud and Majud, or Gog and Magog in the Holy Bible, that these two would make their appearance in the latter days. So the question is then, that who are these two big groups? So have you any ideas who these two big groups being referred to here in the Holy Quran, Gog and Magog? Who are these? One group will drive people away from the religion, the believers drive them away from religion, while other spread rumours and falsehood about the religion. Okay, thank you, Hanan. That's a good description. Generally, we understand that these are two great powers, and we feel that these represent the Soviet Union and the West. And both these, of course, great powers came in ascendancy in this last century. Now, why these two great powers? The Soviet Union or communism, although in fact it was never really communism, it was more socialism, but still, they were promoting communism. What did that teach? It teached atheists, so you're right, it's a group that is telling the world that there is no God. And this is the main message of communism, that there is no God, atheism. So it's driving people away, especially in the Eastern Bloc, that do not believe in God. Whilst the West, that is teaching materialism. And again, as you said, it's a group which is encouraging you to run after the pleasures of the world. That you don't need God. What you need 
is money. You need wealth. You need material things to have that power, to have the beautiful car, the big house, and so on and so forth. So again, the message from the West is that you don't need God. You need material things. So these are the two powers that we think is driving the world today away from God. So Ikan, what do you think? Do you agree with this or maybe some other idea? Yes, I agree that communism and materialism is drawing people away from God because nowadays, for example, university students, they would be working really hard for their degree so they can get a better house, a better car or just go on a nice holiday. But when it comes to God, people usually say that they don't really have time to pray because they are really busy working. But what are they working for? Are they working for God or are they working just to get a better lifestyle? Okay, thank you for that. And Hanan, what do you think? Do you think that the people are finding religion too restrictive? Is this a motive of why they're moving away from God? Or do you think any other reason why you're seeing the youngsters, especially today, why you're seeing the youngsters not really worshipping God and, and moving away from God? So what do you think? There's a lot of influences out there that cause people to stay away from God and, you know, have their relationship with God become weak. And those influences are online influences, social media. So especially for the young students and the young adults, we see that social media plays a huge part of their day-to-day ongoing stuff. And of course, we see that there's some articles they may come across about how the world's falling apart, how people are suffering. And this causes questions in their heads like, does a God really exist? Does, you know, is God actually answering my prayers and everything? And that's why they move on to the actual materialistic side. They're like, you know what? God doesn't exist or God's doing this or we don't need God. We just want to focus on getting the money and everything. When the time comes, we will then, you know, see what happens. So that's what I would say regarding about this, that the reason people are moving away from God is because of the online factors that is being bestowed upon them. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, okay, youngsters today, what do you think is the greatest person who's influencing the youngsters today? Not the greatest, but one of the very famous physicists, Stephen Hawking, which a lot of physicists or physics students, they would read about. And he was a really big atheist. And some people would say because he was going to die when he was a child, that he survived many years and he accomplished many things. And he has a big name in history of physics. So he was a big atheist. And these famous people like this, they are the ones who are influencing people to stay away from God. And they make people believe that even without God, you will be able to accomplish great things. Right, okay. I mean, nowadays we see that youngsters, they know about Messi, Ronaldo, things like this. They know about Andrew Tate. But when you talk about the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, or about Jesus Christ, do they know much about this? Are they really being influenced by these great people? So Hanan, what do you think? So of course, when we look at the history of our prophets, we see that their lifestyle, the way they lived, was completely different to how our people are living right now and all the celebrities that are living right now. We know that celebrities now are living lush lives, money, wealth, cars, fame. And we know that during the time of the prophets, that wasn't such a thing. There wasn't like, or I'm going to become famous, or I'm going to have cars. It was just mostly trying to get that relationship with God strong, because with God, we know that 
if you have a strong relationship with God, you can achieve anything. You can even achieve better than these successful millionaires and billionaires. But as we know, we're in this world that where materialistic stuff has overwhelmed, especially young people and their lives, that they'll be like, oh, my favorite celebrity like Ronaldo, oh, he's got different cars and different homes and, you know, he's making millions and millions of each time. And then that's what causes the young people to get close to them instead of the actual creator because they think that they received all this just by, you know, by magic. And yes, you can argue that oh, some of them were lucky and some of them weren't lucky. And, you know, some people, some of them don't even believe in God and yet they've got so much wealth upon them. And that's why some people may be like, oh, for example, Elon Musk, he's an atheist. He doesn't really believe in God. But look at him, he's a billionaire. And people will be like, oh, well, he didn't believe in God. So why do I need to believe in God for me to re- achieve all this success and everything? And so they are a bit of up and down scenarios and point of views. So people have different point of views of different certain topics when it comes to God. So that's what I think. You are listening to Understanding Islam on The Voice of Islam, where we are covering the signs and help of Allah for the promised Messiah. Peace be upon him. Okay, good. So these are the influences that we're seeing, and it is having an effect. And this is what we're saying. This is the, the influence of today, the two big groups, how they are influencing the people. And they're not calling people to God. It's the opposite, as we said, with communism. It's driving people away from God, saying you don't need God. That was the influence from the Russian leaders. And in the West, it's a constant message on the TV, all the time, online, especially these days, where most children look, I think, more online than on the television and the news, reading newspapers. They, they are influenced by whatever they're reading in the chats, groups, and the news which is being filtered through TikTok and things like this. And that's their influence. But sadly, as you're saying, that influence is not to worship God. The influence that the prophets were giving, no one is talking about that influence. And so we're seeing that man is moving further and further away from God. But again, we're talking about the time of the promised Messiah. Now, at that time, which was over 130 years ago, these two great powers, of course, were still not major powers. They hadn't become major powers at that time. But of course, when the Messiah comes, he will be fighting these two great powers and making sure that they don't get into the ascendancy which they've achieved. So, for instance, if we look at Russia, Russia was an enormous empire at that time. And of course, it was a vast amount of land and it had that influence there. But at that time, 130 years ago, economically and agriculturally, it was quite backward. It hadn't really become a strong power. People didn't recognize Russia as a strong power. It was being ruled by the Tsar, the Russian leader whose title was the Tsar. And the Tsar had absolute power. And he suppressed all opposition. Communication at that time in Russia was very, very poor. And so this led to some areas being divided and detached. At that time, there was a lack of railroads and unusable roads. So communication was very, very poor. And of course, in Russia at that time, there was extreme poverty. Therefore, there was little demand for manufactured goods, making investment for modernization very difficult. When we look at religion at that time, the time of the promised Messiah, there were three major religions in Russia. The Russian Orthodox, which was a form of Christianity, 
and the official state religion of Russia, but it taught the Russian people to love and obey the Tsar. This was the main message that it was giving out. You had Judaism. There were about 5 million Jews, of course. They were told to leave again because of their influence. They didn't like that influence. And so they asked the Jews or removed the Jews from the country. And there was Islam. There was about 23 million Muslims at that time. So these were the three major religions in Russia at that time. But what happened? The Pomesiah died in 1908. And of course, during the First World War, in 1914 to 1918, the Tsar was toppled. Karl Marx's ideas of communism started to take hold, and Lenin's Communist Party took over, and then Stalin took over in 1924. So within a few years, from 1914 to 1924, 10 years, communism had taken over, and that was the end of religion. The Communist Manifesto declared that communism begins where atheism begins. So, as far as they were concerned, religion is the opium of the people. It was a drug for the people, and they didn't want that. And so they taught that without God, everything is possible. So this was a message being given at that time, very shortly after the promised Messiah. When we look at America, again a vast, huge country, America, but in 1908, when the Messiah passed away, the US population was almost 90 million people. Theodore Roosevelt became the president, and the federal revenue was 40 times greater than it had been a century earlier. So it was building, it's starting to get this power. America was on par with Britain and Germany as a global power. You've got to remember, of course, the Messiah was in British India, and Britain was a global power at that time. They were spread over many countries. America had just broken from British rule. They had the War of Independence, and so they gained independence. Germany also was going to be a big, strong power, hence the war, why it felt it was going to have the war in 1914, because it felt it could rule the whole of Europe. But in 1908, they still obviously hadn't started that war, but it was building up as a global power. When we look again in America, the US citizens enjoyed the highest per capita income in the whole world, and great developments were being made with railroads, automobiles, telegraph and telephone, electricity and gas. Again, around that time, the Wright brothers, I don't know if you know who the Wright brothers were, but they had their very first flight. So this was the start of planes being used. And again in America, the Model T went into production at Henry Ford's plant in Detroit. That again was famous that you can have any color you like as long as it's black. So, but he started developing massively, developing the cars. So therefore, travel greatly improved in America. But like I say, things were changing very fast. And it was because of the outbreak of World War I that America emerged as a major power in the world. And so materialism took hold and religion declined. Again, Promissiah mentioned about the dominance of the cross, that that would be over. So what do you mean by this? Any ideas what he meant by the dominance of the cross? Hanan? So the dominance of the cross basically metaphorically means how Christianity would prevail over all religions 
And the Prophet was saying that won't be the case means that Christianity will soon fall causing Islam to rise and we can see it right now how Islam is now the fastest growing religion after Christianity and how Christians are now doubting what they believe and everything like is Jesus really God? Does God really have a son and all that and it causes confusion we see that you know Alhamdulillah Christians are now accepting Islam and leaving Christianity to accept Islam. So that's what the Prophet meant by how the dominance of the cross would soon fall. Okay, good. But again, we got to look at the time of the Prophet Messiah. So, Ikan, what do you think? In the time of the Prophet Messiah, was the cross dominating? So, at the time of the Promised Messiah, the Christian missionaries, they would move to different countries from the UK, such as India, West Indies, or African countries, and they would preach over there and try to get people to convert to Christianity. Furthermore, during the time of the Promised Messiah, the Christianity, it started to decline. And as you can see around you at the moment, even in the churches or cathedrals, personally, I've experienced when I've visited cathedrals and churches, the number of people that are worshipping, there is barely anyone over there because people are giving up on religion and Christianity especially. And the influence of the priest and the church, it's declining so much. Okay, yes, this is what we are seeing. Of course, this is what also the Messiah saw in British India at that time, that there were many Christian missionaries that had come to convert the people, the Muslims, Hindus, and all the other different religions that were found in India at that time, to Christianity. In fact, they were boasting that they were going to raise the flag of Christianity on the Holy Kabbalah itself because of the success that they were having in Africa, in India, and so on and so forth. And of course, this is one of the battles which we believe the Messiah was going to have to try to stop this influence that was happening there. So we see that with communism, people were encouraged not to follow religion. It was not the answer to their problems. With materialism, people ran after the pleasures of the world. They questioned religion and their leaders and felt that it was corrupt and misleading and restricting them. And the Dajjal represents the Antichrist. Antichrist means anti-God. So it meant the Dajjal represents people moving away from God. Without the influence of religion and the encouragement to improve one's life with material things, immorality took hold and the real belief in the existence of God faded. So therefore this Dajjal must be laughing his head off when he's seeing the state of the world, especially today. Okay, so if we continue with the passage that was read out, Hazrat Reza Glam Ahmed, may peace be upon him, had further said that this indicates that a great degree of disagreement would develop. He then went on to say that all religions would emerge as combatants. It would be a time of freedom. And that freedom would reach its zenith. Allah would then decide to gather them through his appointee, so the appointee, we of course believe, was Hazrat Mezaglam Ahmed, may peace be upon him. And so the time for his coming, his need was there because the world was moving away from God. So this, as we're saying, is a battle between good and evil. Believing that good represents God and doing good being moral. And evil is the absence of God, making people immoral, not caring about God not caring about what God expects from each and every one of us. 
So this was the battle that was going to rage in this particular age. So Hazrat Mazaglam Ahmad, may peace be upon him, further said in the passage that in the beginning it was the unity of an individual and now in the end it will be the unity of the whole species. Now this I think was very important words because now he's referring to what would happen. Again, like I say, the signs of the latter days. But what are those signs? Are we really in the latter days? And it's through this ease of transport and the communication that has brought mankind together. And so it's what we call a global village. So do you understand what a global village is, Anand? So to my understanding, I believe that a global village is how everyone from across the world comes together as one and where they start to think and discuss about certain political views and certain issues that are going around the world, etc. Yes, that's correct. But how? How has that become a global village? What has caused that? Ekan? So I believe the evolution of the technology has made the world into a global village. So if one thing is happening in one part of the world, the other part would know about it through news or if they have any relatives over there through calls or anything like that. For example, there was floods in Pakistan and the whole world knew about it. Now if something happens in a country and if it's something big, then it won't be a secret from other countries. It's just that the world is so much more connected, like every part of the world would be so much connected to each other. Okay, I think the main thing in this age, of course, is the internet. This is what's caused that to happen. I mean, yes, TV, obviously the development of TV, the radio. These are all things which helped us to hear about what's happening in other countries. But with the internet, it's gone that higher level now. It's so easy to put on your computer. You know exactly what's happening around the world. Even before they actually know what's happening in their own country, you're aware of it. It's this, what we call a global village, that people can now just hop onto a plane and they can be in another country within a few hours. Or they can turn a computer on, they can know what's happening. Even if you're planning to go on holiday somewhere, you can find out what the weather is there, what's happening in that country and so on and so forth, before you even leave. Whereas, of course, in the time of Messiah, to have that sort of knowledge, it would take months for a boat to come and then tell you what's happening in their country or a letter to be sent, so and so forth. So it was completely different at that time compared to today. So this is why we could say that today is this, what we call, global village. You are listening to Understanding Islam on The Voice of Islam, where we are covering the signs and help of Allah for the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. So the promised Messiah said that it was described as a sign for the promised Messiah that hell would be presented to the disbelievers on that day. So what does this mean, that hell would be presented to the disbelievers on that day? We're talking about the latter days, so any ideas what is this hell that's being presented to the disbelievers on that day? So Hanan, any ideas about this, what this hell is going to be that's being presented in this very day, the disbelievers on that day? So metaphorically, I would believe that when it says a time will come where help will be presented to everyone, is basically that those who have disbelieved and those who have done bad actions, consequences 
will soon come upon them. That could be like, you know, world crises such as earthquakes and floods, or even plagues such as what we had a couple of years ago, COVID-19. And all these small signs just show that those who go astray and those who are not getting close enough to their creator and not having that strong relationship with their creator, that the consequences are that they will go to hell. Metaphorically as in the Christ we're in and physically as in when we go to heaven or hell. Okay, yes, very good. So these are the signs that we're seeing. Wars, world wars, plagues, earthquakes, all these sort of things. What's that making people? If you think about the war, isn't that a sort of hell? Plague, people dying, that's a sort of hell. And earthquakes, if you're, you're suffering an earthquake, it means that your beautiful life, your lovely house, your cars suddenly can all disappear in a, a second. That brings hell onto earth. That doesn't bring peace. It brings hell. So this is what's being related here. And this is what the Messiah himself said, that hell implies the plague. So this is one example. But of course, there are many examples, as you mentioned, about the wars and the other things, which are going to turn this paradise that people desire so much into a hell. And so you get hell on earth. In fact, when we look at the Bible, I think this is the best description that you can have for the latter days. So, Ikan, do you want to read this passage from the Bible about the latter days? Holy Bible, Book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 6 to 7. And ye shall hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Okay, thank you for that. Now, nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. So Hanan, what do you think that means? So to my understanding, I believe that how different countries will fight each other, how majority of big groups will begin to fight each other like for example you know america could start fighting england or by bigger measure we could talk about like america canada and like other countries as one while the other countries as one start fighting over materialistic and communist so in other words world wars not just one country against another country but many countries against other countries nations will rise against nations kingdoms will rise against kingdoms. So, since upon Messiah in 1908, has there been any world wars? After the demise of the Prince Messiah, we've seen that World War I started, which caused a lot of havoc. And then after that, we've seen that World War II started, which even caused even much more havoc. And yes, we've seen that this verse of the Bible has been proven that it has happened. Okay, and then it says there will be famines. In diverse places. So, Akan, what do you think about that? Has there been famines? And what is a famine? Yes, there has been famine. For example, in African countries where there is so much poverty, there is so much diseases over there. In Asian countries, a lot of areas in Pakistan, India, where there is children raising up in poverty and not having enough money or nutrition for their health. Okay, recently we saw pop groups getting together, or pop singers getting together, 
forming live aid and things like that because of the famines in Africa. And then it says about pestilences, diseases. Have we seen diseases spread all over the world? What do you think, Hanan? So, yes, so we have seen how diseases and plagues have been ongoing situation during the time of the Promised Messiah, even after the Promised Messiah as well. So, like, during the time of the Promised Messiah, we've seen how the plague in India erupted, causing mayhem and havoc, causing innocent people to lose their lives. And then even after the time of the Promised Messiah, after he was demised, we see how other diseases, such as cholera, HIV, and other airborne diseases have, you know, developed over so many years, causing so much issues and harm. And like recently when we had COVID-19 as well, how that also impacted a lot of people's lives, especially globally as well, and not just in a single country or continent area. And earthquakes in diverse places. So again, have we seen earthquakes? What do you think, Rikan? Personally, when I was in Pakistan, I've experienced earthquakes a lot of times. And every time you see that in news, like in different areas, there's been way more destruction. Once I was in school and there was an earthquake where we had to rush outside. And later on, we saw that in news that there were so many deaths in another city, Karachi, where houses were falling and people were being squashed under the buildings. And there has been a lot of destruction and losses in lives. So, yes, there has been a lot of earthquakes. Okay, so these, obviously, as you're saying, are signs of latter days. But the thing is, wars always been there. So many wars has happened in the past, before the Promised Messiah. So many wars. Famines. It's not a new thing. Famines has always been there, lack of food. Plagues. In London, we had the, the Great Plague. Black Death and so on and so forth. It's, it's not a new thing. Earthquakes. <laughs> Again, I've experienced earthquake in Pakistan as well, but it's not a new thing. So why are we saying these are signs of the latter days when they've been there forever? They're not new things. So what do you think? Why is it being particularly mentioned that this is signs of the latter days when they've been happening all the time? So the thing that makes it more intense these days and refer it to the latter days is that all of these things earthquakes world wars and everything they're coming together for example like in the bible it says and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars there's been rumors of world war three for a while now and if the nuclear war does happen then literally end the world and like the current caliph of Ahmadiyya says if it happens there would be remains of the wars for generations to come because the nuclear waste, that would stay there for ages. That wouldn't just go away and it can destroy a lot of the things. For example, in Hiroshima. So if the nuclear war does happen, so the nuclear radiation that would stay there for generations and that would damage a lot of things. Okay, so the thing is, as you're saying, that these things have been there. Wars have been there, of course. But world wars where nation has rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, that has not been there before. The first world war, that's why it's called World War I, happened after the Promised Messiah. So wars were there, countries were fighting countries, it's always been there. But because of this global village, now 
that we've got communication and transport. So now it's not just relating to one country. Many countries are getting involved. So this is the signs that we're seeing today. Same with disease. As you said, disease has always been there. But these days we're getting to hear about these diseases everywhere. As I mentioned earlier about live aid, that was through the TV. Bob Geldof saw a program showing the poor states in Africa, the famines, and was inspired by that, that he wanted to inspire other people now to help out globally uh, that particular country. Otherwise, it's always been there. So this is the thing that we've got to bear in mind, that these things are happening more and more, and we're becoming more aware of it. So let's go now to facts. In the last 100 years, wars have spread over 35 countries, where 95 million people have lost their lives. Concerning famines, famine, as we said, is where there is a lack of food. And we're seeing that we're so rich, we've got so much food, and God provides for us. that He has always provided enough food, and he's still providing enough food for the world. So why? Why is there famine? And unfortunately, we're seeing that there's this imbalance, that countries are actually wasting food, destroying food to keep the prices up so they can make more profits. If they sent that food to Africa, it could resolve these problems. But this is the greed of man, that they don't care about what effects is happening around the world. Now they're hearing about the fact, they're aware of the famines. But the greed is still dead. Now, earthquakes. Even in the UK, we've been experiencing some earthquakes. Not on the scale, no doubt, as in Pakistan and things like this. But earthquakes are happening all around the world and we're becoming more and more aware of these earthquakes. But interestingly, in the past 1,100 years, there were 11 massive earthquakes. When I say massive, it means that the death toll exceeding 50,000 people. The promise I like to say, he came in the last century. Yet since 1905, 13 such earthquakes have occurred. So whereas 1,100 years before, there was only 11. Since the promise 13 has happened. Now, in the new millennium, so from the year 2000, we have had so far major disasters like the Iran earthquakes, the tsunami, the Pakistani earthquakes, and of course the havoc that was created by the Hurricane Katrina in the US of A. So it's getting even more now. The further we're coming away from the Pobosai, the more these greater earthquakes have been happening. And like I say, the thing is that with the invention of the printing press, the television, now the computers, we get to hear so much more easier the news that's happening around the world. So we're hearing about the tsunamis, the AIDS, the famines in Africa, etc. Again, Hanan, you mentioned about the COVID virus. Now, the thing is that we now know that this started in China. How did it spread so quickly? What made that happen? This is what we've got to think about, that Okay, these diseases happen, but how did it spread so quickly? So, what do you think, Hanan? 
So the simple answer for that is transport. So we can see how people can get to one place to another place in hours. And now seeing that if one person has got that disease and travels to one country to another country, majority of people will catch that disease, which will then start being spread, not even physically, but airborne as well. So that's how the COVID-19 spread so fast. Okay, so yes, I mean, this is what we saw, that it started in China, but like you say, because of air travel, it quickly went and spread all around the world. Now, another interesting thing I remember was that I was watching TV and there was an internet story of fighting over toilet rolls in Australia. I was thinking, what's going on here? That they were fighting in the supermarkets to get some toilet rolls. At that time, we had plenty of toilet rolls in the supermarkets. But after this story came on the internet, within a few days, the shelves in the UK were bare. People started panic buying. And before we know what happened, people were walking out of the supermarkets in the UK with three, four lots of toilet rolls storing up in their houses. And when you go to buy some toilet rolls, there's nothing left. So that, again, was caused by communication. Seeing what happened in one country affects other countries. That is why we call it a global village. You are listening to Understanding Islam on The Voice of Islam, where we are covering the signs and help of Allah for the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. Now, you also mentioned about the plague. Again, plague has been there. The Great Plague happened in 1665 to 1666, called Samuel Pepys, and was a famous Darwist, and he wrote about these sort of things. At that time, 15% of the population died. Over 68,000 people in London died. And the Great Fire of London, which happened in 1666, apparently started by a baker or something like this. But the result of that was that many houses were destroyed and it killed many people but it also killed the plague. So on one hand, they were suffering from this plague. Then they suffered from the Great Fire of London, but it did stop the plague. Plagues spread and they were spreading in a great cause of death. Now, the first vaccine was invented in 1897. So this was in the time of the promised Messiah. Now, you mentioned about the plague in India. The Pomesiah has written about this in Malfazat Volume 1. So, Hanan, can you also read this portion from Malfazat Volume 1? Harzamizu Ghulam Ahmed, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has said, Calamities were also to serve as a sign. Heavenly calamities took on the form of famine, plague and cholera. The plague is an affliction so vicious that it has even shaken the government. And if it is to continue to grow, it shall devastate the entire country. As for earthly calamities, there are wars and earthquakes which have destroyed the land. It is necessary for a person commissioned by Allah to manifest heavenly signs in support of the truth as well. Right, so the plague arrived in Bombay in India in the summer of 1896 and was part of a deadly pandemic that originated actually in China in the 1850s and it continued to afflict many parts of the globe until as late as the 1950s. Now, Hazrat Mezaglam Ahmed, may peace be upon him, 
first mentioned about the coming of the plague in 1893, where he was talking about Lekuan, which we'll cover later on. And he said that at that time, it was disclosed to me, the promised Messiah, that shortly after he, Lekuan, dies, Punjab will be afflicted with plague. It was in February 1898 that Hazrat Meza Ahmad, may peace be upon him, made his first public announcement regarding the plague and foretold it spread throughout the Punjab. When this announcement was published, the plague had already arrived in India, starting in Bombay in 1896, two years beforehand, and was then spreading to its surroundings. But it had not yet reached epidemic proportions. So in his book, Kishti Noor, the promised Sire wrote about it. So Ikan, do you want to read out that passage? In these present times, God has willed to show a sign of heavenly mercy. So he has informed me that I and all those who dwell within the four walls of my home, who wholly and unconditionally follow me, who are obedient to me, and who on account of their righteousness have devoted themselves to me, will be saved from the plague. So this is the thing that, first of all, the plague has started in India. He hadn't reached Punjab at that time, but he's prophesying about a plague. But the remarkable thing about this is what you just read out, that I and all those who dwell within the four walls of my home, they will be saved from the plague. Now, how can you do that? Plague, it goes to anyone. You can't prevent the plague. There was, as I mentioned, this vaccination to help prevent it. But after the Messiah had received this revelation, he refused to take the vaccine. Although he said to his members that you can take it, but because God has told me that I'm going to be saved from this plague, as a sign, I'm going to show you that I will not take this vaccine. Now, again, we've got to understand, as the Messiah said, that those who are obedient to him, so yes, there may be some Amadis who claim they're followers of Hazard, but are not obedient to him, and so not really practicing it. But those that declare that I am an Amdi and practice being an Amdi Muslim, he said they also come under my four walls. So when he's saying four walls, it doesn't just mean his home, but it means those who his followers are also under the protection of God. And so they will also be saved from the plague. And this is exactly what we saw, that not one Amdi Muslim, a true follower of the promised Messiah, died from the plague. So this, again, is a remarkable sign which we declare. And obviously it's a sign of the latter days, but it's also a sign to show how God saves his true followers. So again, let's continue with the passage from Malfazat. Hazrat Mezaglam Ahmed, may peace be upon him, has said, God Almighty has mentioned two groups. The first are the auspicious who accepted the Messiah. The second are the wretched who would reject the Messiah. So, of course, we believe the Ahmadiyya Muslim community have accepted the Messiah. And so they're striving to bring mankind back to God and instill in mankind the belief in one God. It's using the very same means of communication and travel to convey the message of one God to everyone. 
So there is a prophecy to the Messiah that my message will spread the four corners of the world. So how do you think this has been fulfilled? Any ideas, Akan? So basically, how technology is so advanced at the moment that from one place to another, you can communicate really easily. Social media, newspapers, everything. So it's so easy to convey the message of the promised Messiah now as it would have been 100 years ago. So now it's just uploading a video on YouTube or just posting something about the promised Messiah and a lot of people would watch it. So as Ikan just said about like online stuff, we can see that even through brochures and through speeches by the followers of our community, especially our Khalifa, we've seen how widespread the message has gone across all the countries and especially the visits as well to parliaments and to big dignitaries, how that is also a great way of spreading the true message of Islam. So now like how the Caliph, because of technology, his word, it spreads worldwide and it's listened by millions of people, which is the reason the prophecy that I shall spread thy message to the corners of earth, it's being fulfilled. Okay, good. So through MTA, our own TV station, Muslim Television Ahmadiyya, we are able to convey the message throughout the world and it is being broadcast in every single country, 24-7. Likewise, through travel, the Khalifa, Hazrat Meza Masru Ahmad, may Allah always be his helper, is visiting all the countries. We as a community are spread in over 200 countries of the world, building mosques and having communities all over the world. So this is what Hazrat Meza Kalam Ahmad, may peace be upon him, was mentioning when he continued with the passage which he was reading by saying that the meaning of the trumpet will be blown in chapter 18 verse 100 of the Holy Quran is that a voice is sounded in those who come from God Almighty and then this voice reaches all around the world through them. Eventually the time does come when there is only one flock and only one shepherd. God Almighty has himself provided for gathering all auspicious souls upon one religion. It seems that the initial work for this gathering was put in motion in the time of the Holy Prophet. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Although the preparation of the means of it reached its perfection in this age. So here the Messiah has prepared his community to continue to carry on this work and bring mankind back to God. So that, as the Holy Quran relates in chapter 61, verse 10, Islam will prevail over all religions. So what we say is that he has planted a seed, and that seed has grown into a mighty tree. This is the reason why God has sent his appointee in this day and age, because of these signs that were going to happen. And this is the battle that he's having between good and evil. To bring people back to good means you have to turn to God. That's the only solution for mankind, to turn to God. And this has been his constant message, and this has been the message of his cleavers, his successors after him, that you need to turn to God. You have these powers, these two great powers, Gog and Magog, pulling you away from God. But what's the result of that? Are you finding real peace that you want, that the peace that you desire, that inner peace? Are you finding peace on the world? The only way to find that peace is to turn to the appointee of God, Hazrat Mezaglam Ahmed, accept him 
and accept his message, which is to turn to God, to pray to God, and seek peace through God. If you do that, then there is hope for mankind. But if we don't, if we keep ignoring these signs, then there is no hope and there's hell on earth. So thank you for listening. There is still much more we will cover on the signs of latter days, which we will do hopefully in the next program. So with that, I'd like to say Aslanikum wa Wapantu May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Thank you so much for having me on this. It was very interesting. And just learning the signs of the Prophet Messiah just shows the truthfulness of what God can do and how God protects his appointee. Thank you so much for having us. It was really interesting and really informative about learning the signs of the promised Messiah. And I learned a lot. You have been listening to Understanding Islam on the Voice of Islam. And today we have been covering the signs and help of Allah for the promised Messiah, peace be upon him.